Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. It's a good day. It's a good day to worship God, isn't it? It's always a good day to worship God. It's a good day to be in this house. There is something so special here. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I never get tired of coming in and experiencing the corporate worship and the beauty of, oh my goodness, we have the best worship here, don't we? Come on, where's Dallas and, and, uh, and the, the team? Oh, there you are, yes. And Ellie, and um, yeah, it was just so beautiful. Well, we want to worship God again this morning, and how do we do that? Well, I was supposed to be sharing a couple of weeks ago, but my husband had um, a milestone birthday and I begged off and Steve was gracious enough to say, okay, you can go the end of the month and I'll take your spot earlier. So I'm going to be sharing on Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 this morning. But before we get there, I want to just talk a little bit about our theme for this month. It's called the kingdom of God, kingdom living. It's what Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 5, most of the beginning, and how he was talking about the practical ways of living in the kingdom. And when we think of the kingdom sometimes, we think about the by and by. When our day comes and we go to meet Jesus in heaven, and, um, and it's all beautiful there, and we won't need anything else except to sit at Jesus' feet and worship. But um, I want to share first as a little preamble to what I'm going to talk about today, about a book that I read last year that totally transformed my life. I've got these friends, they're actually, they were the pastors of Catch a Fire Niagara, Penny and Keith, and um, they've now taken on a different lifestyle. They live in BC for most of the winter, and then they come back in the summer. And last summer they came, and I went to visit them in Niagara, and we got into our talks like we normally do. We could sit for hours and talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible, and talk about how we could change the world. Come on, who wants to change the world? Not just me. Yeah, all of us, we're called to change the world. And Keith goes into um, the house, and he comes back, and he hands me this book. And he says, you absolutely need to read this book. And I said, okay. And the book is called Access Granted, and it's written by a fellow named Steve Holstrom, who is a pastor and a businessman out in Alberta. He has a niche business for services to the oil industry. He's very wealthy. And he had an um, encounter with Jesus while he was being a pastor. And he was a, a cigar-smoking, heavy alcohol drinker while preaching and while teaching and while being a pastor. And God encountered him and said to him, do you really want to know what it's like to live in the kingdom? And he learned, and now he's sharing this with us. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is here on earth where we have life, practical life on a daily basis, where we encounter Jesus, where we live a deep life of connection, intentionally chasing after Jesus, wanting that, that deeper life like Steve, and, uh, like Steve discovered of not just existing, but knowing what the supernatural realm looks like on the earth when we have that depth of the connection with Jesus. And when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the place where the Father is. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the throne room. That's the place, the kingdom of heaven, where we will eventually go if 
we have a relationship with Jesus, if we have said yes to Jesus, that we want to make him Lord and Savior of our lives, and if we live a life knowing him here on the earth as such. So, I read this book and read it and read it, and I couldn't stop until I was finished, and then I started reading it again. Why was I reading it? Well, because I want to know what it's like. I lead the supernatural ministries here at Catch the Fire, and I also lead the women's community. I have been pushing in and asking God, I want to know what it's like to live kingdom life here. I want to be kingdom-minded. I want to be thinking about kingdom. What does that mean? When I think about something, it's not about myself. I, need, I want to be able to see the bigger picture of all of you, what the body of Christ looks like and what it means to live as part of that body. Well, Steve was saying that, you know, his observation was in the Gospels, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. And in all the other books except Matthew, you will see that Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. He uses it interchangeably sometimes. And he will say the kingdom of God. And then maybe most of the time he said kingdom of heaven. Now, why would Matthew do something like that? Well, first of all, Matthew was really not liked. He was, his name, his original name was Levi. And he was abhorred by his, by his Jewish fellows uh, fellow men, because he was a tax collector. He was taking money from the Jewish people for the Romans. Matthew was also orthodox, and he was a little bit eccentric. Somebody who's collecting money and calculating all the time had to be really adept at an abacus. You guys know what an abacus is? It's a, it's a very ancient counting device. Nothing like the devices we have today. But anyway, Matthew was a little bit eccentric, and um, if you watch The Chosen, you will see how they depict him. And I could understand why. Matthew was very concerned that the Jewish people were very, they were told they could not even say the name of God. So in order to not offend, and because he would be orthodox, he did not use the word God. He used the word heaven because it was easier to, to, to say that to Jewish people of the day instead of saying the word God. So... Jesus talks so much about money. When we look at Matthew chapter 5, before we get to chapter 6, Jesus talks about money. He talks about freedom. He talks about, he doesn't talk. He sets people free. He heals people. He delivers people from demons. But he talks a lot about money and he talks about the kingdom of God. Why is he doing this? You would think that Jesus, being the Savior, would talk more about salvation than he would about money. Paul, on the other hand, who was a Hebrew of Hebrews, talked more about salvation. Jesus is trying to paint a picture for us. Money is a commodity that we use to help us through life and to help others. So we go into um, Matthew chapter 6, and let's, um, let's start at verse 1. So just, just, to, just to make the point, guys, we don't need money when we get to heaven. Everybody says, yes, God, Amen right? We don't need money there. We need it for the earth. But let's go to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start at verse 1. And Jesus says, be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What is Jesus saying? Be careful. Be watchful. Be mindful. Be sensitive to what you do. Be sensitive that when you're practicing your righteousness, why would he want us to practice righteousness? 
He's, he's not speaking to believers at this time. He's speaking to Jewish people. And he's saying, be careful how you practice. Now they needed to practice. The Jewish people believed that everything that they believed in, their religion was consistent with their culture, their traditions, and their behavior. So they would practice righteousness. That's what they would do on a daily basis. And in order to get good at something, we need to practice, right? Anybody play a sport here? My husband plays hockey. I mean, he just had a milestone birthday. He's still playing hockey. And he keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. And then he comes home and brags to me about how many goals he scored. And I'm like, yeah, I need to see the figures. And then I'll really believe you. But anyway, we need to practice, practice, practice. Righteousness. Jesus is saying, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of other people to see. What is righteousness? It's rightness. It's doing the holy thing. It's doing the thing that God says to do. So he's saying to them, be careful about how you practice your righteousness. In those days, um, they would not have had Holy Spirit. But in today's world, when we read the scripture and Jesus says, be careful how you practice your righteousness in front of others. So, you know, not for them to see, but for, for me, we have the barometer of the Holy Spirit in us. So when we do anything, it is, propelled, it is propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be reliant on Holy Spirit to help us to do that. And then Jesus said, because your reward, you will get no reward from your Father in heaven. It's not that we're looking for a reward, but at the end of our days, there is a reward. The Bible talks about that. When we finally get to, G when we finally get to heaven, guys, you know who's going to be our reward? Jesus is going to be our reward. The one who died for us on the cross, the one who gave everything for us. We're going to get to heaven and the father's going to say, welcome, good and faithful servant. You love my son well, and you lived in connection and relationship with my son. So come into your reward. And that's what our focus needs to be. It has to be Jesus. <sighs> Jesus is not saying to the Jewish people that your actions are wrong. It's not unimportant. He's saying, what is the motive of your heart? What is it really that's propelling you? When you go and you do this in front of other people, what you're actually doing, when you're doing it for other people to see, for men to see, it's coming from a place of pride and it's coming from a place of self-absorption and selfishness. You know, selfishness is not a word we like to hear, right? Nobody likes to be called selfish. I know sometimes one day I was talking to my husband about something. I think I was saying, oh, my back really hurts. You know, I got this pain here, whatever. And he goes, yeah, you know, I played hockey and my back hurts. And I'm going like, you're being selfish right now. And he's like, what? I'm the least selfish person I know. I said, well, that's not selfish. But anyway, he says, I says, you're being, I say, he says, how am I being selfish? And I said, well, because you took the attention off of me and you put it on yourself and you got all self-absorbed about your backache and you don't care about my backache. So, you know, it's when we take the attention that is supposed to be on someone else, let's call that someone Jesus, our father, and we put it on ourselves, we're being selfish and self-absorbed. I was... Um, Somebody was, uh, sent me this quote. You know when you have those moments? I know if you watch these YouTube videos of these um, young adult millennials who make fun of Christianese and Christian people, and I forget all their names right now, but you know, when you, when you listen to one of them and you have an ouch moment, like you, you read something and you go, ouch, right? Nobody has an ouch moment? Okay, it's just me then. But you get that ouch in your spirit. Why? Because it's convicting. 
And, it's, and it says, yeah, that's how we are. And sometimes we laugh about it, but it's true. And it says here, if you're fasting and gossiping, then you might as well eat. And I was like, ouch, right? Because the focus is not on Jesus. The focus is not on God. The focus is on ourselves, and we're doing it from a wrong perspective, from a wrong motive. So he says in verse 2, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. How would Jesus know what they do in the streets and the synagogues? He was in the synagogue teaching all the time, and he watched how they gave. He says, to be honored by others, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. If we do things for the praise of man, it's going to be fleeting. But when we do it unto Jesus, when we do it unto the Lord, when a child needs to go to camp, like recently, you know, we had fresh wind. I lead a women's community here. I approach a women's community. I said, listen, we have kids out there with moms that can't afford to send their kids to fresh wind. Let's just get together and donate and give to them so that their child could come to fresh rent. We just had, you know, an appeal for camp. You guys have been awesome with that. It's when you hear something like that and you give, not looking for the praise from other people, just because there's that little, there's that little twitch in your heart that says, this is a great opportunity for you to give. Then you give. What was Jesus talking to them about? He knows exactly how to get to the heart of the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You know, we, we like to beat up on those guys, but you know, not all of them were bad. They followed the law and they did what they knew was right. Jesus said, the hypocrites. He didn't say all of them. And that's a really, really strong word, right? That's a really strong word. We don't like that word. But here's what Jesus was getting at. In Deuteronomy 15, when Moses was teaching the Israelites from God how they ought to live life, he spoke about giving. And he says, the poor we will always have with us. So be open-handed, be generous, give. Now, the Jewish people have something called mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are laws. They are rules that the Jewish people live by. They have about 615 mitzvahs. Any Jewish people among us, you would know what I'm talking about. And one of the mitzvahs is to be open-handed and give to people. So when Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people, he's saying, you guys know the law. And when you give, you're supposed to give anonymously. And when you give, you're supposed to give as a, an act of togetherness, not to give onto somebody or to somebody. You're giving with the person. So Jesus is saying this to them and they would understand that you're not supposed to give with the wrong motive because the actual, the actual meaning of the word hypocrite or hypocrisy is when we do something in complete contradiction to what we propose to believe in. And that's what Jesus was trying to get at. Now, let me, let me paint you a little picture. Um, let's just say that I say I don't eat sugar and I don't eat sweets. And then one day, you see me eating a chocolate brownie. Right? Are you going to think I'm hypocritical? Well, no, because my flesh had a fight with my spirit and my flesh won. Nobody's flesh has ever won to a chocolate brownie before? Come on. Where are my chocolate brownie people? Yeah, really. Yeah, but it's, you know, in that case, it's just that I had a battle inside and I thought, okay, I just need to have this today and get it over with and then go drink a gallon of water to flush it out. By the way, 
If you see me eating a chocolate brownie, it's going to be gluten-free, sugar-free, fat-free. Essentially, I'm eating air. So it wouldn't be a real brownie, okay? But that's not real hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when we are, we are, we are always declaring that we believe something to be this way, and then we turn around and we do something in complete opposite. So Jesus was getting at their hearts, and he's saying, Oh my goodness, sweet, gentle Jesus. Can you imagine? Sweet, gentle Jesus. He used that word and it kind of shook them. The word hypocrite is in the NIV version of the Bible 16 times. Once in the Old Testament, 15 times in the Gospels, and guess who used it the most? Jesus. Yes. Well, Jesus understands us. He knows that we are flesh. He said that when he was on the earth. And there's always this temptation inside of us, guys, to retrieve praise from people. Come on. Is that not true? It's like we do something and it's almost like we want to be recognized for it. Oh my goodness, look at what I did. Isn't that great? I wish somebody saw. You know, I just went and, I mean, I remember the day I, I went to my next door neighbor, elderly people, and I just... I just raked up all their leaves and nobody saw because it was the middle of the afternoon, nobody was home and I just raked up their leaves and nobody saw. But there was a little bit of a, eh, yeah. I wonder if anybody saw that I went and helped my neighbors, you know? There's this thing inside of us that want to be recognized and we want to be praised, right? Even in the church, in the old, in the old, um, in the early church, sorry, before the Renaissance, by the way, Renaissance means rebirth in French, before the time of art and culture hitting the, um, the Western world, the in the church, there were big givers, and they liked to be recognized. Do you know that some of those givers would ask, when they gave a big donation, or they, you know, give money, they would ask for their picture to be inscribed somewhere in, like, a, one of the painted windows, or in a picture with the cross, or near the Madonna, or something like that? Human nature has this little weakness that says, I want to be praised for what I do. But the Bible says, there is no, no, no temptation given unto man from which God does not make a way out of. Each one of us, no matter what we're tempted in, God has a way out. And Jesus is trying to give the Jewish people a way out from, from what they're doing and trying to get to the heart of the matter. So, how do we get to that place of wanting to give anonymously and wanting to give because we love Jesus, we feel his heart. There's a compulsion inside of us that says, Jesus, I could feel your heart. I know you want me to do this thing. I mean, I, I could tell you all kinds of situations. And, and let me just say, I'm not saying that just because there are people around, you should not give to the needy and you should not bless people and you should not buy someone a meal. There are times when there are people around, but Jesus is really talking about the purpose for which we are doing it. I remember being in, um, you know, in a grocery store and there was an elderly couple behind me. And of course, Holy Spirit loves to do this to me at the last minute and says, okay, I want you to pay for their groceries today. Okay. I just say, okay. And I hand my card to the cashier and I said, I'd like to pay for this couple's groceries. And they were so offended. They just about threw me out of the store, the couple. So I pretty much had to run out, give the cashier my card and run out. But in that moment, God wanted me to do it. And why? Because the Bible says that men will see 
our good works and be drawn to God. Not because we are good, we, we have good in us so that our good works are the most important thing. It's the demonstration of whom we're carrying inside of us when we do that and people see it. And they know there's something different. I remember paying for a woman's groceries one day. She, she had, you know, anyway, a, a, a lady by herself. And, um, and as I paid for her groceries, she was packing it up and, and the Holy Spirit said, pay for it. And I paid for it. I was right behind her. And, and the cashier says, she was counting her pennies. And the cashier said, no, it's okay. This lady just paid for you. And she turned to me and she goes, almost accusingly, you Christian. I said, yeah, I'm Christian and Jesus loves you. And that's why he asked me to pay. And she started crying, right? That's what we do. We don't always have to be anonymous to know how we give. It's in the moment and when we hear from the Holy Spirit. Now, I was talking about this little innate thing inside of us that wants us to be praised. And I'll tell you a little story about um, before I came to Catch a Fire has been my church in 1999. And before I came on staff, um, I was working in the downtown area of, my office was at Young and Bloor in the tower there. I worked for a, an um, international human resources and recruiting firm. I was the PR agent between the company and Bay Street, the banks predominantly, and financial companies. And I spent a lot of time in sales. So I was, I was a recruiter, headhunter. I was managing, um, training, coaching some of the staff there. So I got override. Anybody know what an override on your office? The amount of money that your office brings in a month, you get a, a small percentage of that. I got commissions for everything that I, 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 everyone I hired personally. And then I had a salary. And I was doing really, really well. By the way, it was always Jesus. Can I tell you when my manager or my VP would say, wait, your month, it's week three and you haven't met your target. Yet. And I said, it's okay. Jesus is on the case. And, and he would say, can you tell Jesus to hurry up a little bit? And I was like, I can't tell Jesus to hurry up. He does it when he does it. But I was always in the high producing um, category. And um, I remember one year, um, you know, you know when you're coming to the end of the year and you're waiting for that report to come out? And I was, I was right up there. I was, I was going to be the top producer for the year. And uh, I had a, comp a competition. She was in the Ottawa office. And uh, for some reason, somehow, she managed to get a $5,000 deal in the day before we closed. And she beat me out. Now, every month when I would, when I would write a lot of business, Vice presidents, the president would call me, Lillian, yay, 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 you did a great job. And I go, pat, 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 wonderful, right? I got the praise. But when this girl beat me out, all the praise ended because it was fleeting. It was coming from man and it ends very abruptly. And then she became the star. And then God said, you're leaving to go work in ministry. <laughs> but, you know, um, when we, when we look for the praise of man, it will not suffice. It will not give us what we need inside of us. We need to get the revelation of why we do what we do and in whose name we're doing it. I'll tell you one more quick little story and I'll get on to the next scripture. My mother um, got saved during revival here. Um, the last one in our family, along with my little sister, to get saved. They came to a revival in 1994. She got saved, and this was her home church. And when I moved here from Montreal in 1999, um, this became my home church. And I would go pick up my mom to bring her to church sometimes. 
And I remember one Sunday morning, I went and got her and we're driving up, getting to the highway. And she goes, oh no. And I go, what? And she goes, I forgot my wallet at home. And I said, oh, that's okay. She says, no, no, no. I want to give my offering to Jesus. And, and I don't have my wallet. And I said, it's okay, ma. I'll give you some money. And, and you can, you know, you can put it in the bucket. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to give him from mine. That would be her pension. I want to give him from mine. And I was like, okay, I'll give it to you. And you can just pay me back. Would that be okay? And she was like, yeah, okay. My mother got a revelation of why she was giving. She didn't care where that money was going and what was being done with it. She got a revelation that she was giving something unto Jesus when she gave. That has taught me so much, just that little exchange with her. And then in 2001, she went to be with the Lord. Verse three, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Why is Jesus talking about right hand and left hand? In Jewish law, unless you're born left-handed, your right hand is dominant and the Jewish people do everything with their right hands. In the morning when they do the ceremonial cleansing, they wash the right hand first, the right foot, they wash the right side. Everything is the right. When they celebrate Shabbat, they use the glass with the right hand. When, when Aaron was, was anointed to be a high priest, Moses took blood, put it on his right thumb, his right big toe, and the right side of his head. Everything was about the right side. So Jesus is saying, just like how you guys practice mitzvah and you follow all of these rules and traditions, just how your right hand doesn't know it's being washed first in the morning and the left hand isn't. In the same way, when you give, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. He's getting right back to the heart of the traditions, of the rules, of the regulations. And that's how he's penetrating to bring across the message that it's all about the heart and the motivation. Oh, what he's saying is, when you see someone in need, there should be an automatic response that comes out of your heart and you just act on it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was watching, um, listening, to a, listening to a podcast and, <clears throat> excuse me, I was listening to a podcast from the authors of the book, the philosophy of philanthropy. And they were discussing the reasons why people give. And they were talking about, they were talking about gifted givers who, are, who have unbridled generosity. So they were talking about the psychology of why people give. And they said that when people give to charitable organizations, by the way, they mentioned that 19% of the world does not have any affiliation with a religion. And the rest of those that do actually go to church or synagogue or some religious um, organization or religious gathering are the ones who give the most. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Because you guys, we don't pass a bucket here. We don't pass a bucket in this church. We trust that Holy Spirit is going to direct you and guide you as to what to give and how to give. And you guys have been extremely generous. So thank you so very much for that. So they were talking about the reasons why people give. And they said they've discovered that when people give unto a cause or they give to someone who is in need, 
that they experience this uncontrollable joy. There's joy that comes up in their hearts and they start to feel really happy and they start to feel really satisfied. There's a satisfaction that comes when they help somebody and they make somebody's life better and they get the, an influx of what we call happy hormones. Happy hormones are dopamine and serotonin and it rises in them and they start to feel really good. So friends, you want to feel good today? You're going to dro drop me an envelope and I'm leaving. But that's why people give, because there's a benefit to it. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 19, when he was talking about God loving a cheerful giver, Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew exactly what Moses had said to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 15. They need to be cheerful when they give and give open-handedly. So I just, want to, I just want to remind us that Jesus wants us to give out of love in our hearts for him and for the Father. It's all about him and the Father and helping one another in the body of Christ. We don't have, we don't have to do anything out of propulsion, compulsion. What we do is when we help a brother or sister or we give to a stranger, we're putting a smile on Jesus' face. And what else would we want to do as followers of Jesus? Why don't you stand with me? Recently, I was meeting with the leaders of the women's community and the Holy Spirit landed on me and gave me the word from James 1.27. And he says, Lillian, I want you to be focused on this pure, undefiled religion is to support the widows and the orphans. And he started to speak to me about this and I shared it with the leaders of the women's community that actually pastored the women in, in that community. And one woman jumped up and she goes, that's exactly what God has been speaking to me about today. Friends, there's a hurting world out there. We've come out of years of trauma. There are financial needs, but there are also emotional and spiritual needs that we can fill in somebody's life. It's not all about money. In this context, Jesus was talking about money. But we who carry Holy Spirit inside of us and who emulate Jesus, we get, to, we get to heal people. We get to deliver people. We get to bring happiness and joy to people. We get to bring full life to people. And today we have an opportunity to be philanthropists. Who here would like to be a philanthropist? Yes. And the Lord spoke to me even from the first meeting and he said, many in this church that are wanting to build businesses and have money and it's not for their own consumption. He says, many of you have dreams. You've been saying, Jesus, give me money so I can give it away. Come on, who are those people? Jesus, give me money so I can give it away. I want to pray over you this morning. I want to release over you the anointing that comes from heaven so that you can move into your dreams and your visions and the entrepreneurial visions that God has been giving you. I want to declare over you because of the purity of your heart and the motivation to help others that the Holy Spirit of God is alighting on you right now. Father God, I'm asking that you would come, that you would begin to break open the doors for these ones. Father, I'm asking for all these business people, Lord. I just heard that somebody here is positioned to receive and to receive 
receive an inheritance very soon. You've been waiting for an inheritance and it's coming to you. And in when you get that inheritance, the Lord says, you get the opportunity to do what your heart has been yearning to do. So I bless you to receive that inheritance. I call forth all the finances that you need to help others. I call forth every dollar in the bank is yours right now. I declare that your bank accounts are expanding, that they're exploding with the blessings of God. I'm calling forth every business person, every missionary. I, I believe there's missionary hearted people among us and you've been crying out to God. You said, I want the money to go and make lives better for others. Where are you? Put your hands up. I declare today is the day of the opening that the dam is breaking open for the money to start falling into your hands because you have been found accountable with God. He is so pleased with you that you have been crying and you have been reaching into his heart and saying, God, give it to me. 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 It's coming to you right now. Father, I thank you. Today is the breakthrough day. Come on, reach into heaven. Today is your breakthrough day. I want to be that giver that Jesus was talking about. I want to be, I want to be that person who is compelled because of my love for Jesus. I want to help mankind because they're my brothers and my sisters. Everywhere that I go, I am going to be a demonstration of the heart of Jesus by giving to others in the name of Jesus. I just, I just heard, I just heard, I'm just going to, Jane, 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 it's coming to you right now. The desires of your heart, whatever it is you've been asking God for, to serve others, it's coming to you right now. Jane, it's coming to you. Whoever Jane is, it's coming to you. I'm going to ask the ministry team, please come and stand in the front here. We're going to pray for you because it is the time where God is breaking open. Heaven is coming to earth. We are going to see the transfer of wealth come into the kingdom. And the kingdom is for the earth, like I said before. Come on, let's just receive it. Jesus, we thank you that there's a transfer coming Lord and it's all about building the kingdom of God it's all about the body of Christ we thank you Jesus we thank you we thank you if you are one of those people that said you want to be a philanthropist because you want to give unto others I want you to come up here these guys are going to pray for you the ministry team is here come on they're going to pray for you yes Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus whoa Sharabasi. keep praying guys I just saw, I saw rain, rain coming down, rain of finances, rain coming down for you. And I want to say, as you leave this house today, tarry a minute to serve somebody, buy somebody a meal. If the Lord places somebody in front of you, just reach out and extend your hand. James says, when we see someone in need, don't just bless them and send them on their way. Reach into our pockets and take something out and hand it to them. I just want to give you homework for this coming week that you are going to be intentional. You're going to be sensitive how you practice your righteousness before God and say, Holy Spirit, show me how I can be a blessing to someone today because of Jesus in my heart. Bless you guys. Have an awesome day. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.